you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey everybody, this is James Ham. About to start the podcast. Before we get to it, let's talk about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is our sponsor here on the King's Beat Podcast, and I got to be honest, I'm having such a good time hanging out, making my picks every game. I'm really bad at it, but it's super simple. You go in, you look at players that are going to play on that night. Uh, you can choose from a variety of sports, a variety of leagues. I choose to stay within the NBA world most nights, and I just choose players that I think, like, look, if Demonis Sabonis is coming into a game and I think he's going to get a triple-double that night, I'll look and see what his projections are uh, as far as points, rebounds, and assists combined. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll go more or less than those numbers, and uh, for the most part, I'm usually wrong. Uh, but either way... It's really cool, and it adds just another layer to watching the game each and every night. I've had some good times. Uh, I've had some bad times, uh, but at the same time, you know, as long as you're you're looking at these things responsibly and uh, you know taking it easy and just and just having fun with it, I think it's really cool, and it it's a fun way to add something different to your viewing experience every night. So, if you're interested in Prize Picks, uh, there's a link in the podcast there's a link in the email you can go in and if you use the code kings beat all one word it they'll match up to 100 bucks so it gets you started every night you choose between two and six players um, you figure out if you think they'll do more or less in their projections whether that's assists or points or combined things whatever you choose to do you can win up to 25 percent of your money on each entry and you know what's cool is it's available here in California and 30 other states. So, uh, yeah, give it a look. Uh, use the, the code KINGSBEAT, and uh, good luck with your prize picks. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. 
Sean, how are you? I'm doing pretty well with my allergies. My voice is sounding a little weird. My little eyes, deep. man. I can't. Yeah, my eyes are watery. So that Fox 40. I'm going to see if I can do it. Fox 40. I, no, I can't even do it. It hurts. <laughs> but yeah, man. Just battling some allergies. But I'm not Brendan. Where's Brendan? Where's Brendan? Uh, Brendan is uh, out due to a non-COVID-related illness. Uh, okay. We'll use we'll use King's terms. Uh, he missed Tuesday for a personal reason. Today was uh, the last two days. He's actually been sick. Uh, part of the reason why we didn't go yesterday, uh, just you know, as the Kings picked up their crazy forty-sixth win of the season. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Sean, it, it, <clears throat> do you use uh, anything for your eyes? Uh, well, so usually I'm okay. Um, like I do have like a constant little bit of a dry eye kind of thing, but, uh, Zyrtec, which you don't put in your eyes, you just take for now, is works great. Like that for me anyway, it's fantastic. But, uh, I, t- I, you, you, I think when they say you go on it, you take one like every day for like two weeks or whatever, and you get acclimated to it or something like that. But yeah, um, once then, once you're settled, uh, you basically take one i don't i only have to take one like once a week maybe twice a week or something like that and ordinarily it's good but sometimes throughout the year i'll wake up and i won't have a voice <laughs> so interesting luckily yeah, i've I, got just a deeper voice i sound like barry white like a yeah, really awful version down. of barry white yeah may he rest in peace um yeah <laughs> I, I use uh zatador for my eyes i think that's what it's called it's like a zatador. little it's a little over-the-counter um anti-allergy eye drop it's amazing Uh, And they don't sponsor the podcast. I'm just telling you because, you know, (laughs) it's that time of the year. Uh, Yeah. And and, like it's the outside, it's confused. Like I got trees in bloom and snow in the same week. I mean, we're almost to April and I mean, it it could snow again. Like I don't know. Did the snow, did the snow melt off? Did it melt off? I know it's been a little, it's been cold still. Oh yeah. No, the snow was here and it was gone by the end of the evening. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's typically how it goes here where I'm at. I'm at like 17, 1800 feet of elevation. So the snow rolls in. And then the other day was weird. It was 42 degrees and just snowing everywhere while we were on the pod. And then uh, it it was gone by late evening. So Mm. yeah, just it is what it is. Um, All right, let's get to uh, let's get to the basics. Um, If you're listening, uh, and you don't mind, can you give us a rating review, whatever platform that you're listening on? Um, if you're watching on the YouTube, if you don't mind giving us a thumbs up. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, subscribe to the King's Beat. We're growing like absolutely bonkers. It's been a lot of fun to watch the growth over the last, uh, particularly like the last six weeks, been absolutely crazy. Um, so jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com. Um, and for those of you who haven't noticed, uh, we have a comment section now on the kingsbeat.com. So you can comment on articles and talk trash and all that stuff there if you'd like. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Maybe I won't ever moderate it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's new to Beehive. They just added the comment section. Um, so now you can comment on articles like the podcast that we're in right now. Um, Sean, uh, the Sacramento Kings are going to the playoffs. First time in 16 seasons, uh, 17 years. Just what are your first thoughts? Yeah, they finally clinched. Um, it's a little, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'm super excited for the fans because good for them, man. I mean, this city has some real ones, man. They it, they really do. The organization, even for people who have moved away from the city, being able to celebrate. I've seen a lot of uh, really cool um, celebratory moments. And yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it. Like most people had wrapped their head around the fact that this is a playoff team realistically for the past you know, two months, but to finally get that game to clinch and make it become, make it become real is, uh, they put a ring on it, right? Like that's a, <laughs> they, they made it official, you know? So, um, they're, 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 they have, they have relationship plans for the, for this, for the playoffs. So they're, they're in, um, and yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful moment for fans and, and, um, people within that organization that have been here for so long. Uh, it's really, it's really great for them. Um, you know, some media have kind of made it a little self-indulging and about themselves a little bit, but I digress. Everyone celebrates in funny ways. And, you know, there's a, it's one of the unique things about this team is there's a lot of uh, people who grew up fans of the organization and can't set that aside when they, when they, uh, you know, when they cover the team. So uh, maybe it's 16 years, you know, it, it has a funny way of doing it for you, but yeah, when half the league's teams make the playoffs, um, and you haven't been able to do that for 16 seasons, 17 years. <laughs> and when you finally punch that ticket, it's going to have a funny uh, feeling on people. So, yeah, don't let this team win in the playoffs or get to the Western Conference Finals again or, dare I say, an NBA Finals because people might lose absolutely lose their minds. Yeah, they could, uh, you know, definitely freak out a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. Like, um, I someone tweeted at me, if asked if I if I cried, and I was like, no. I, I don't even think I responded to him, but no, I mean, I, I think that the buildup to this has just been kind of like, okay, it's, it's happening. Um, and it's cool. And, and I think it would have been emotional, like in the building on Monday, that would have been interesting to watch, uh, but it didn't happen. And yeah. so by the time it did happen, it was almost kind of like, all right, well, we've been waiting for this and, and there's no way that they're going to lose seven straight and have every other single thing go wrong that has to go wrong. And so I, I thought it was a bit anticlimactic, especially when you drub somebody 120 to 80 and they don't even show up. And then, you know, the Kings play Portland again tonight. And uh, it's crazy what they're doing there. Like, that, what are they, 10, like 12 guys? 10 guys on the injury oh, report. Oh, Jesus. 10. Yeah. And so that means with their two-way players, there's potential for them to only have seven players in uniform tonight. Like it's just wild. They they even have an injury, like hardship replacement that they they brought in, like a dude off the street who just yeah. like who played the other night. Um, I don't even remember who it was, but uh, let me see if I can pick him out of the lineup here. Um, I don't think even Portland people know who he is. It wasn't. Was it Jabari Walker? Was no, it? I don't think that and was it's him. not John, John Butler. Is their two way? Um, yeah, Trenton Watford is may or may not play tonight. Uh, Ryan Archian, oh boy, Archie Diacono, Arch, Archie Diacono. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, he will not play tonight. It doesn't look like. <laughs> oh. Um, and I, I, not to be mean, but I, Drew Eubanks in the NBA still is a surprise to me. I don't understand how he's in the NBA. Well, I mean, I remember it happened to the Kings not long ago. You know, there was a, there was a time where they had seven players and they had to finish out the season and it you know this is the the 
<laughs> teams will do what's in the best interest for themselves in the draft and what's ahead, and they're doing it with the what they're under ten games to go. And yeah, it kind of sucks because the ticket prices don't really. You still have to. The ticket prices are still there, and people go and buy them. But kind of reminds you of uh, baseball in a way, even though you still see some of the stars. But it's uh, time to do all the you know September call ups and see what's available. Yeah, I mean that's totally where we're at. I mean this uh, what Portland is doing is wild, and you know they're clearly not going to make the postseason. And you know they should have probably pulled the plug a little earlier than they did. Um, and now they're in the the Victor Wimbanyana uh, sweepstakes, and and I'm just to look. Let's see. Uh, I know the Hornets and the Pistons in the East are below them, uh, and the Spurs and the Rockets. Yet the Blazers are tied for the fifth slash sixth most opportunities. They're tied with Orlando um, for you know to move up in the draft. That's a pretty good spot. That's a great spot yeah. to be in. And and, yeah. and and what all and what seems to be a very uh, loaded draft. I mean, a lot of talent in this uh, in this draft that, especially top heavy, as some of them tend to be. But um, talking to some people just uh, around the league over the past week, like there there's a lot of hope, even with uh, you know people lower in the projections, you know, low first round, and you know, let's say it's probably a good reason why you saw even people garnering all these second round picks too, as well. You know for future because i think they they think that there's talent to be had in in untapped places and uh, it'll be fun to see how it all shakes out it guess where the kings are right now if if they were to end right now and this is where their draft spot would be 23 24 four okay yeah 24 i I know a lot of people keep asking hey do you think the kings can go get chris murray and i'll just keep telling you (laughs) their chris murray won't make it to the kings um, like unless, unless something weird happens here, uh, he, he won't make it to the Kings. Um, Sean, we're at this point too, where the Kings have almost secured the, the number three spot. Uh, I think they still need two wins to secure the Pacific division. Um, and let me see. Oh, maybe not. Okay. So what's the record? Uh, they're 46 four, wins, 46 30? and 30. So, no, they're five games up on the Suns with six games to go. Um, so there is still potential after tonight that they, because the Suns and then, like, the tiebreaker isn't, isn't like, guaranteed at this point. So you're probably going to have to wait another night before you clinch the Pacific. Uh, but I was looking at it. Um, we got the Warriors at, uh, at as a six seed right now, and they're... Let's see there, uh, I want to say six and a half behind the Kings. Um, but the Warriors have this crazy thing that uh, six teams are within two games of them, higher and lower. So you got the Suns and the Clippers above them. You've got the Pelicans a game behind them, the Timberwolves a game behind them, the Lakers a game and a half, OKC two games, and even Dallas at three games behind the Warriors. Um, like, wh- where do you think this is going to go? Who do you think this that they're going to face here. Yeah, I mean, logic would say the the Warriors, because it seems like more times than not, we're looking at number six, and Golden State is just kind of pigeonholed right in there. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, and, and maybe it's just my belief that the, that the Warriors are going to just flip a switch and, and close out strong, um, because that's what they do. But obviously, not this season. They don't. They're so, they're so terrible on the road. Um, 
but I just don't feel like it's going to be the Warriors. It's never happened before where the Kings and the Warriors have met in the postseason. So they've never been like... in the playoffs in the same season. Yeah, how about that? Never in the same. That is just yeah, thirty-eight crazy. years. <laughs> thirty-eight like... years, Sean. We might be crossing the streams here if that happens, you know? Th- uh, Brendan, if you're be, out there, uh, yeah. crossing the streams is from, of course, Ghostbusters. Uh, That's like our yeah. second or third Ghostbuster reference in as many podcasts, I think. But Yeah, we did have the um, back-to-back, yeah, when I said something inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it was great, yeah. though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so, no, I kind of think I kind of think it's going to be the Clippers, the, 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 the Timberwolves, um, I, I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to escape the play-in tournament. I think that's where they're going to be headed. So, you know, however that looks. But I, I do agree with you. I don't think the Kings are going to be able to catch the Grizzlies, even though they're only two back. I just think the Grizzlies are, you know, I've said it all year. Uh, they've showed me something in this time without John Morant. They still continue to to find ways to win. Even without Steven Adams, they lose Brandon Clark. We've talked about that. Um, they just, they just, they're gritty, man. They just find ways to do it. Um, and now that John Morant's back and they had, look like they haven't messed, missed a beat, they've won eight of their last 10. So I just don't feel any slippage will be there. Um, there's still three back of Denver for number one in the West. So, um, I, I think number three is where the Kings will reside. I think the Pacific division obviously is going to be clinched. That's just a matter of time. And yeah, however things shape out below, I think the Kings will be, uh, ready to go and hopefully hopefully finish strong hopefully find some rest at the same time and if they you know kind of stumble a little bit i'm not too worried i I like where this team is headed and i like their chances basically against any team below them i think any team below them will be a competitive playoff series i don't know that i would i would uh, pick them to win every opponent in a playoff series below them but uh certainly there's some there's some matchups out there that i do like them in yeah i mean the hot take machine is going to be that the kings are the target and that they're the easy ones. They're the the guys that you want to play. But uh, why does anyone have a problem with that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, to be honest, like it's true. Like they have no experience. Yeah, you know. So I, it's true. That's, this that's, man has. Yeah, no, no penis. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, that's where we're totally at. Uh, in, in my book, like I think that either way, you're looking at either crazy length or crazy experience. Those are the two things that you're going to be up against. So if you want to play a younger team that really doesn't have a ton of playoff experience or a ton of playoff success, then Minnesota is that team, but they're really freaking long. Uh, the Pelicans, I'd put in the same exact area. They're you know long, athletic. They can beat you in a variety of ways, but again, they don't have that much playoff experience. And then you got teams like the Clippers and the Warriors that are kind of hanging on and this this could be like a last hurrah for both of those teams and you know there's no guarantee that their stars will be able to make it through the playoffs uh we won't know if like paul george is even going to play in a first round uh like so these are the kind of things that you're starting to look at like what would you prefer and i don't know sean if is there a team that you circle and go okay i would prefer that team uh, whether it's the Clippers, the Warriors, the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, because I don't think the Lakers can catch up, and I don't think the Suns will fall. Yeah, I mean, Dallas, but I, they're not even in the picture at the moment. They're still a game out of the uh, play-in tournament. So yeah, um, the Clippers are so Jekyll and Hyde, you don't know what you're getting one night to the next. But I, I do kind of like the Kings in a playoff series there. Warriors, if they don't have Andrew Wiggins, and again, Wiggins has been out for over a month, personal reasons, 
I don't think people really at this point know whether they can expect him back. And James, let's play a game. Let's say he comes back. He has he's missed over a month. I mean, then no basketball activity. Um, even if he's you know working out on his own and trying to stay ready, like you're just going to be able to just fit him back in. Fortunately, the Warriors have Gary Payton Jr. back and or the second I should say, and he's he's you know playing decently well since his return from the abdominal. Um, that was a tough loss that they had to the Timberwolves that night, but just all across the there's question marks all across them. I mean, what Lakers team shows up? You know, that's a team that if I'm the Kings, I probably wouldn't want to see. Um, the Pelicans, I, I, Zion Williamson's supposed to ramp things up. Is he? We've heard that forever. Um, I don't believe it at this point. And even if you're throwing him out there, the way the Kings run, if he's truly got an ankle, a foot, hamstring, whatever it is, uh, and the Kings are, you know, they can they can show an ability to. I've talked to people; they they want to even play faster than what they've shown to be in this season. So, uh, especially in a playoff series where you can just you know run a team down uh, and use that as a as a as a huge weapon in your arsenal, um, your speed is going to be everything. So if I'm the Pelicans, I'm probably not wanting to see the Kings, but vice versa. If you're the Kings, sure. Let's see what that looks like. Um, the thunder, I, I don't know that they're going to be up in that. I, I don't know that they can escape, but they've been a gritty team and been able to, um, surprise a lot of people. Uh, but I think if the Kings and the thunder were able to make meet up in some form or fashion, can you imagine what that would look like? It might be, it might be a fun playoff series to to watch. I just don't know that anyone's going to tune in to watch it across the league um, because it's just not the sexy matchup. So, and I've I'm well documented what I think about the Timberwolves, man. I, I don't want to see them at all if I'm the Kings. So, yeah, if you had to pick one, maybe the Clippers and the in the in the Mavericks. It's just the Mavericks aren't even in the picture right now. So I guess the Clippers went out. Yeah, yeah, the Clippers. Uh, I wouldn't mind the Clippers. Um, I, again, you bring up uh, the Mavs, of course. I, I think I'm on board with that. Uh, Luke is tough because he can beat you by himself. Uh, and they have Kyrie who can beat you in a bunch of different ways too, but they just have not been able to put it together at all. Um, and, and again, they're, they're down at this point, they're down three games to the Warriors with, uh, with like six, five or six remaining. That would be nearly impossible, especially to jump all those teams. Thunder are down too. Uh, that's a possibility, but not really. Lakers, uh, they're, you know, well, I'll say the Lakers are only down one in the loss column, and that's a crazy thing. We got the Pelicans, mm-hmm. the T Wolves, and the Lakers are all just a single game behind the Warriors in the loss column, and that still matters because you know I don't know how many games are left for most of these teams, but well, I can tell you the T Wolves is five, the Pelicans is five, uh, the Warriors it's five, so yeah, it, it really is like a, a sprint. Even the the Clippers are down to five games. Um, if I were to choose a team, I, like, in all honesty, I, I don't even think I would fear. I mean, I don't know what if you fear or not, but, like, even the Warriors, like, sure, they're a great dynasty, but at this point they seem like they might be on their last legs of that dynasty and they don't have the depth. And, you know, Gary Payton is back, but, like, he really hasn't been able to ramp up and get integrated back into the system yet. It's only a couple of games. Like, I, I start to wonder, like, can they turn it on? Do they still have that in them? And it's kind of surprising that they haven't to this this point. It would make a our travel a lot, our, our budget go a lot further uh, if they were playing the Warriors. Um, I, I would actually kind of prefer the Warriors or the Clippers for that point of view. And then, um, and then the Pelicans and the Timberwolves would be like kind of on the low 
low on the list of who I would want to face just because that's going to be a lot of airfare travel uh, to, I love New Orleans, but I don't think I want to go to uh, Minnesota, even if it is April. Um, yeah, it could be, uh, you know, the, the travel is certainly part of the playoffs and uh, got to be, you know, it's to be expected, but um, yeah. it is, it is funny the way the, the West is. It's like, now Memphis is really like an Eastern Eastern Conference team, and and you go to Minnesota and you go to New Orleans and they're Middle America, but um, Memphis is so far east. If you ever end up having to play them, that's a that's a tough one. I remember the Western Conference Finals last year with the Warriors, um, or not the Western Conference Finals, but the uh, the playoffs with the with the Warriors last year before they advanced to the Western Conference Finals, and that that travel was was tough. And actually, Draymond Green has said as much in his podcast. I would love to see the Warriors and uh, Grizzlies face in, in the first round. So that'd I, be I fun. Yeah, that, that I'd, I'd, I'd sign up for that. Yeah, and that's still possible. A two-seven matchup still possible. Um, let's get to let's get to the game the other night. So again, the Kings clinch. It's a huge deal in Sacramento. Like lots of emotion, lots of craziness. Um, but it wasn't a very good basketball game. It, you know, I think it's one of those games where you just look at a team that is ready to like move on to the next step and another team that's ready to get on to the offseason. And and so that's kind of what it looked like. It looked like one team was trying, one team wasn't, which is what we saw in the second half. Um, but we have some some takeaways. Number one, uh, we'll start with Keegan. Uh, Keegan hits three threes, goes up to 188 three-pointers in his rookie season, which is now the gold standard in the NBA. He surpassed Donovan Mitchell's rookie record of 187. Um, he's been so, uh, you know, there are games where he's bad or he disappears or it's like two or three games stents where he struggles. But for the most part, he's been so steady all season long. And while it's not flashy and it's not over the top and it's not crazy, it I think that steadiness is something that really does help this team his ability to stay even kill his ability to hit big shots and big moments um just what what does this record do you think it means to this season which is going to be filled with awards and and things for the sacramento kings yeah i think it's a good accomplishment for him and i i would love him to kind of celebrate it a little bit um I don't think there's a moment he went in the locker room and went crazy with his teammates. I don't think there was a proverbial grab crotch moment. I, I, I he just like you said, he's so steady, he's so even keeled that, oh whatever, it's just something I've done. Move on, let's go win the game. Uh, and and that's what I think a lot of us love about his personality because you you try to you try to bring it out, but he's just him at the end of the day, and um, him shoot him hitting that record, you know. He shoot. He, he was. He's able to shoot a lot of threes. That's the kind of the role he plays on this team. Um, kudos to him, man. Especially with so many games remaining. And I feel like James, you know, you go and you look at all these records and you wonder, gosh, how how long can this record last? I don't think it's going to last long. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to Keegan or just the record. It's just the way the league is going with the amount of threes. I mean, we were coming into the season when they were saying they wanted to the Kings. I'm talking about the Kings wanted circling 40 threes per game. You know someone's getting a lot of threes up. So, and Keegan Murray has been one of those guys. And fortunately for him, he's been very, very consistent. Um, and yeah, it was fun to watch him hit that shot. And, and yeah, you just, he's got such a bright future, man. And, and he fits in this team so well. And, uh, when you're playing with a guy like Domas who finds everybody, you're, you're going to get a lot of opportunity. 
It makes life easy for everyone. Here's a crazy yeah. stat. So he's 188 for 462. Um, and the 462 is roughly like 90 less three-pointers than it took Donovan Mitchell uh, to get that record. So I think Donovan shot like 34%. Uh, Keegan's at 40.7. Check this stat out, though. Uh, 188 made three-pointers. 130 wow. made two-pointers. Yeah. He's taken 251 twos and 462 threes. That's the guy likes the three. He likes the three. Well, I think he plays his role, right? He does. I, I think that that's the biggest thing that we've learned with him, that even in, in certain moments where you're waiting for him to take over and do more, he pulls back and says, okay, this isn't my role yet. Um, but I do feel like there's a whole lot more there that he just doesn't want to he doesn't want to step out of line in his rookie season. Do you still feel that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. He, he doesn't quite. And I think, you know, I'll take it a step further. I think Davion Mitchell is also kind of still experiencing that in finding his voice, finding a way. I mean, he's part of this leadership committee that we, that has been pretty well covered. I think Zach Lowe did a nice job in kind of outlining that, but um, at least what the leadership committee does, but even for guys like you and I, who knew he was a part of this, I think, Seems like Davion still tries to find his way even on the basketball court and has to be more impactful in the in the smaller amount of minutes that that he that he gets. Keegan, I feel like plays a different, completely different role, obviously, and he's still just kind of feeling it through. Like I don't think he's going to have a takeover mode. He's going to certainly um, do what's what's best for the team. He, he kind of falls into place and. You know, James, I don't know if you got to see the <laughs> the Bleacher Report. You know, they used to have Game of Zones, and now they have a uh, another cartoon version. And the Kings were prominently featured today with the beam and everything like that. And uh, kind of a silly storyline with Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald trying to come back to thwart the beam. But in that moment, the you know, there's he's surrounded by you got Tyrese Halliburton. He's surrounded by Keegan Murray and, and Harrison Barnes in these vehicles, and they're they're shooting pistol offense guns at him and he says oh damn damn corner threes it's like no you're corner three and you can shoot the ball in this league corner three is where you it's where you thrive and you know yeah we want to see him put the ball on the deck and attack and maybe go iso and 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 show off that part of his game a little bit more frequently but steady is the steady is the wins the race right now for him and uh he's had a fantastic rookie season i expect him fully to be able to be on the all rookie first or second team and uh yeah and take it from there as we've been on the pod we do have a matthew delavadova medical we do update the sacramento yes. kings announced today that matthew delavadova sustained a right index finger fracture during the fourth quarter of wednesday's game versus portland trailblazers treatment options are being considered at this time there's no timetable for delavadova's return um uh, that's a bummer. Um, I, yep. you know, Delhi hasn't played a ton. Um, but, uh, there is, you know, there's something about him, uh, that, that I think has really stuck out this season. He really does like matter to this team. Uh, and you know, I, I'm like, clearly there's not a, enough time for them to go out and, and sign someone else, but, do you expect them to do anything with that? Uh, it's 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 interesting. I'll say, you know, just last night, for example, um, and we, there, there's a small kind of correlation to be drawn here, even though the playoff scenarios are completely different because in the G League, 
uh, in the first second rounds, you have one and done. Uh, it's like the it's like college basketball uh, survive in advance. And the Stockton Kings went in there, <clears throat> hosting a home home uh, court advantage, hosting a very red hot Skyforce team from Sioux Falls, who'd won six straight coming into that game. And the Kings got upset. They they their, their Stockton Kings season is done. They lost ninety eight ninety seven. Uh, and I remember talking to both the Kings two-way players after the game and Keon Ellis and Namias Keda, and they both kind of gave me different answers because I was like, well, you, do you get a day or two to kind of like let this wash over you, kind of cleanse, and then, okay, let's go join the big club. And even though both of them I still think are ruled out for tonight, I haven't looked at the most. Uh, Last uh, time I looked, yes, they were ruled yeah. out. Um, but Nimi said, yeah, I think I got to catch a flight tomorrow, head up and join the team in Portland while Keon was like, well, he's like, yeah, I think I'll be staying here and wait for the team to get back and see them on Saturday when they're back in town. Um, so different type of answers, but you know, there's, there's some players on that team that could probably fit in. I mean, Trey Burke is one of them. Um, now again, you just, at these, at this point, especially if you go into the, to the playoffs, you're not really talking about a guy who's going to play. I mean, with respect to Matthew Delavadova, if you had to pick a guy to this was going to happen to, he'd have been the guy you pick because he's only really playing when De'Aaron Fox is out and you're just trying to close out the season and spread some minutes and get guys some rest. So um, I, I'd say it's it, it might be certainly feasible, but, you know, what what is it? What's it really anyone who even if they do make a move I don't think you're going to look at this and go oh we're going to expect them to play no not at all yeah I mean I could see a situation where the Kings um like if Della Vadova is out like if they know he's going to need surgery and he's out for the next like six to eight weeks that they could make a move there and and you know basically wave him and bring in Trey Burke just to have a, a backup on the on the roster um, hey, look at that. We even have uh, Shams <laughs> tweeting about uh, about the Sacramento Kings. That their, Home court their, advantage. Their NBA championship odds are now 55 to 1. 55 to 1 from 430 in preseason, 430 to 1. That doesn't matter at all. But No. But it's interesting that people... Neat little graphic, tweeting. though. Yeah, what did I call, what did I call Logan the other day? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a cute I, little graphic. I just remembered. I, I and this wasn't meant as shade at Logan because I love Logan he, and he started in Sacramento. But um, bandwagon media members, we got them, Sean. We got bandwagon. Oh, they're all over the place. Members. We got yeah. them. They're hopping on left and right. Local media, and that's like, okay. That that's even local media, to you're like, hey, look at all this local media. We're like, who are you people? Well, <laughs> where have you been the last decade? <laughs> yeah, um, but that look—that's to be expected. You look around, I and guess, yeah. uh, when you become uber relevant again, you get uber media coverage, and and here's your Uber. <laughs> Here we are. Your Uber here's, is waiting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you make of the? Uh, uh, this got to be the strangest thing of the season: it, the Alex Len appearance. All of a sudden, now Alex Len is part of the rotation. Um, he played. Uh, 15 minutes and 31 seconds against the Trailblazers yesterday. Uh, well, let's see, yesterday, day before yesterday, on Wednesday. Uh, five points, eight rebounds, two steals, a block. Alex Len, is he your new backup center? Center? Uh, <laughs> no, no, probably not. Um, but this is what we, this is what sometimes rotations and lineups can can bring when you're this. Uh, close to the playoffs and you and you're just waiting to you're just playing out the rest of these hands to see 
how the, how this plays out, where you fall, where you end up positioning wise, and uh, you're, you the the interesting thing is I don't recall it really um, taking away minutes from Domas. I still think he he got right about what he averaged, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I might have to go back and check, but I think I that it. was that was the moment for me, James. Like I said in the last podcast, where it's like if I'm Mike Brown, I'm looking at my bench and I'm saying, "You made me play Alex. Len. You made me play Alex Len because I don't have faith in any of you guys. You guys pissed me off. I have to go to Alex Len. Damn you for making me do that." And he played 26 minutes and 30 seconds. Sabonis did. Yikes! But yeah. it was just that's so under 30. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was a blowout, but uh, I was surprised. I, I was not surprised to see Alex Lynn against Portland on Wednesday. I was surprised to see Alex Lynn on Monday against the Timberwolves. And then did you see Nas Reed uh, broke his I wrist? I did. That's tough. Uh, yeah, that's a big-time loss for them. Especially, Huge. you know, again, does that team, do you like playing them maybe a little bit more without Nas Reed? Yeah, and especially, I mean, we were talking about it, like, you know, Nas Reed plays – a bigger role when Carl Anthony Towns doesn't now now cats back, but it's almost like, God, they play better when they don't have cat on the floor. But I, I, I say that realizing that cat hit that dramatic three to beat the warriors and carry that game into uh, Sacramento where you had the chance to close out on your home court and didn't. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a, I, I feel like that the, those back, that back to back could be a seminal moment for the Timberwolves in their season. And if they're going to propel forward and, uh, that might be something they look back on and say that's where everything changed for them. But make no mistake, you're losing a guy like Nas Reed who's played such an important role for them. Uh, that's a that's a tough one to have to fill. But you get someone like Carl Anthony Towns back, even though he's a, a non-factor defensively, um, you hope to be able to find a guy that can plug in and, and fill what he did defensively in Nas Reed, but do obviously a lot more on the offensive end with Cat. Yeah. Um, I think it does make them slightly easier to play. He's just a bad matchup for the Kings. The Kings don't have that type of player. And if they do, I mean, it's the same thing that I always say about Brandon Clark. He's like a version of Brandon Clark. He's a better three-point shooter, maybe not as good a rebounder, um, but long, athletic, physical, physical, like strong, um, you know, new age power forward. And I, I think he's really... Uh, I think he's really important for them, especially against a team like the Kings. I wanted to see Chemezi Metu match up against him and just to see what you had there because I think Chemezi's probably a, a decent matchup there, especially physically. I think he can hold his own. Um, but again, when we get to the playoffs, Sean, do you expect Mike Brown to go deeper than than maybe Trey Lyles? I say I want to say no, but it's when you get into that second and third game of a seven game series, depending upon how things are looking, where you might have to. Um, I think I think more times than not, he's going to keep it pretty tight. But there might be that in-game adjustment that he makes where he does have to go. So I think you'll see it at some point. I don't think it's a game by game. I don't think you're going to see like, for example, if he goes somebody um, like trailer, like a Chemezi Metu, maybe. If he goes to somebody like Metu, um, Rashawn Kessler Holmes, Edwards. Alex Lynn, Kessler Edwards, that might yeah. be a game, uh, maybe a one-off where you saw that in game two, but you didn't see it in game three. Maybe you see it in game four, you don't see it in game five. So it's all matchups and it's all adjustments. And that's where coaching really gets fun. Um, people love the playoffs for the right reasons. And this is every reason why. And it, again, we're, I always talk about who's going to be that, that, that person who 
steps up and has that moment that you that you're not expecting. You know what you're going to expect from your your core four players, your core five players, but who's that person that's going to excel in a way that's above and beyond what they've done in any part of the season uh, or play a factor in in such a dramatic way that just doesn't happen during the regular season. So, yeah, I I can't wait cuz I I I I feel like I know who that could be, but I have no idea at the end of the day who that might be. Yeah, I think it does depend on the matchup. Like, again, if you're going up against, um, I I think it totally depends. Like, if you're going up against Anthony Edwards, then we're going to see Kessler Kessler Edwards, I believe. If you're going up against, uh, you know, well, I mean, maybe if if Paul George is back and Kawhi Leonard is there, maybe you see Kessler there in, in a situation. So maybe Mike Brown does go nine deep. But I also think that there's a good chance that he he settles in an eight. And then if you get a Terrence Davis sighting, it would be because things have gone horribly wrong and you need some sort of spark that you're not getting. No, and that's not a, a knock on, or on Terrence. Or, or you're on national TV where he plays so well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like if you're two games into the, into the playoff uh, series and Malik Monk is still struggling, you might – choose a guy like Terrence yep. Davis to break up some of the minutes for Monk and say, look, man, we need you to come around. But in the meantime, we're going to let Terrence go out there and see if he hits his first shot. If he hits his first shot, he could steal your minutes. And so I think that those are things we're going to see. But I also believe we're going to see a lot of Fox, a lot of Sabonis. And, but yeah. I don't know if you're Mike Brown, I'll ask this question early in the playoffs. If, if you're winning, do you temper your, your minutes with these guys knowing that you know Sabonis Fox like a lot of these guys even like we talk about Harrison Barnes Harrison Barnes hasn't been in the playoffs in seven years um and he's played in all 76 games so do you start to like pull back even in the first round and, and maybe use a deeper bench at that moment and if you you feel like you got to tighten it you can but if you make it through the first round then you start to get tighter and tighter with your bench yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think Mike Brown shows the, the, that he knows where his bread is buttered and he's going to ride the hell out of those guys that, that bring him to the dance. So uh, expect bulk, bulk minutes for these guys. And that and that's, you know, I, I was expecting a game like tonight in Portland uh, as we record this on Friday before the game. I, I expected this to be a game where he is going to find time to rest players. Um, obviously it doesn't look like he's going to do that tonight in its entirety where a guy sits um, as we, as it's what we're t- coming up on the two thirty report, but I don't, I don't think that'll be the case, but certainly I think he's got to make sure he's not playing certain guys over 25 minutes in a game. That's rather meaningless. I mean, I don't want to call it meaningless because we understand you want to play well going into the, into the, into the, uh, into the playoffs and you don't want to take guys out of their rhythm and we get all that, but you got to kind of protect guys from themselves a little bit and make no mistake. Uh, and it's so funny. I bring up the G league again. Um, the way the NBA playoffs is set, you're going to have almost a week off uh, since you're not going to have to play in the play in tournament. You're going to let that play out. That'll be about a three to four day stretch before you start playing on that Saturday. So the season will end on when is it, James? I don't have it in front of me. The 15th, something like that. It's always tax day. It's, when it... <laughs> it's usually the 15th, but I think it's earlier yeah. this year. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's the 11th. Uh, I've got it right here. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're talking, oh, I mean, it's actually the ninth, the ninth. Yeah, so, so you're going to have about a week off almost. I mean, 
not quite a week off, but it'll feel like a week off. You'll have a lot of practices. You'll, you'll you guys will be resting, the rehab, all that stuff. But can, I'm comparing that to what I just saw in the G League, which isn't really all that fair. But there is a comparison because the Sky Force had to play their way into the into the into the playoffs. The Kings, who were the number one seed for the first time ever, Stockton Kings, I'm talking about, in the G League playoffs, uh, had a tremendous tremendous season, and they had to wait, watch how that played out. They didn't play for a few days. You get the Sky Force, who's just on a little bit of a roll, and they came in and made the adjustments, and they and they stole that game, and now you're at now your season's over. So, um, again, that's a one-off playoff series, so it's not a direct comparison. But um, knowing that you're already going to have those days off is is crucial for getting guys rest and being ready for uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, and I'll also point out too, I, I think there is an advantage to being the number two, uh, the number three seed over the number two seed. So sure, the second round. If Memphis wins the first round, then they, of course, will have home court advantage over you. If they lose the first round, then you have, and you somehow win, if you're the Kings, you still have, you have home court advantage in the second round as well. But the advantage that I see is that as soon as the season's over, and maybe a game or two before that, the Kings will know who they're playing. They can start to game plan. They can start to strategize. They can start to you know, work out their travel schedule and, and map everything out. And that the two seed does not get that advantage because they have to wait until the first play in game is over to see who the seven seed is and, and who they're going to have to play. And even, you know, Denver at the number one seed, they're going to have to wait for all of the play in games to kind of figure themselves out. And sure, they'll be waiting at home and kind of have some options, but the Kings will be like three days into practice working on their game plan for that six seed. And I think that that's an actual advantage going into the playoffs. Uh, even if you are getting a team that, you know, might be a little bit more fresh than, you know, a team that had to do the eight, nine and the, or the nine, 10 and the seven, eight game. And then whoever wins that and, you know, the, the follow-up game. Yeah, definitely. And you think about that. I mean, you just said it from a Kings perspective, but let's, Let's pretend you're the Warriors. Yeah. Like you don't want any part of the play-in tournament, really. I mean, no. get guys back, get guys some rest, get some health, you know, to, about them, and have only a whole week or whatever it is to to worry about just the Kings or whoever might be in that in that spot that they're playing. I mean, that would be night and day uh, advantage for even a team that low at the sixth seed. Yeah, and think of your like the Clippers and the Paul George situation. You might not have Paul George for the play-in you might have them mm -hmm. for the first round you might not but you certainly like the play-in might be pushing it and so what happens in the plan do you get knocked out of the plan because you don't have you know one of your best players for for that uh one game two game stretch so yeah interesting stuff i, I have no idea what exactly is going to happen there like there's it's all bunched up i just keep looking at the numbers and i'm like okay you know again like a 35, a 36, a 37 loss team, three 38 loss teams, and 139. Um, all of them just all bunched up. Is it surprising? Did it, are any of those teams surprising to you? I mean, like OKC is clearly like the one that you're like, holy cow, I can't believe that they're they're going to make it or potentially going to make it. They, they only have a one-game lead over the Mavs, but they're only half game behind the Lakers as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the one that just continues to – boggle my mind is pelicans just because how uh they i think a lot of people expected them to be much 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 better than they've shown to be um 
I'd put OKC there because that is a surprise. Utah, who, you know, remember how how strong they were to start the season. I think everyone realized that that was kind of, you know, hot start, fool's gold. You're not that good. Uh, you clearly have an all-star in Markinen. They were He was rewarded for that. Um, but obviously they've they've tumbled down quite a bit. And, you know, even shipping Mike. Plug, though. They did. Oh, they did. And, and shipping Mike Conley to Minnesota definitely helped the Timberwolves and kind of signified another moment of them trying to sell off parts again. Uh, so to see them tumble, but even still, James, I mean, you're talking, what, two and a half games out of a play-in scenario. They just won last night, or I think it was last night. Um, but also, like, it's just funny. Like, just there's a lot of scoreboard watching that's going to be going on. And there's some absolutely fascinating matchups every single night. Uh, look at... For one, Clippers-Grizzlies tonight I'm looking forward to. But more than that, Lakers-Timberwolves will be a very, very exciting game because I want to see how the Timberwolves bounce back with after losing Nas Reed. Um, does this change roles on on the team? The Lakers are desperate for a win. Um, and I think I got to go back and look at the the standings there. But I, I think that's an important one in terms of conference as well. Um, and then you get Nuggets-Suns. You got KD back. Um, I believe he is playing. I'm not, I haven't looked at the injury report, but... Yeah, Nuggets Suns should be a, a really interesting one tonight as well. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what's the best part about this time of year. I mean, even like the Kings' final two games, you got the Warriors and you got the Nuggets. Like, And you can have, you can choose your path with that Warriors team. If you're looking at the Warriors and you're like, hmm, I don't think I want to play them. And you can control <laughs> how that is, how they are in the standings. Or if you go, yeah, like, you know, I, that's okay. Like, I don't mind playing the Warriors. Like, if the Kings want to go for it and they, okay. Like, you you can kind of set yourself up a little bit. Even the last game of the season, you know, clearly the Nuggets are pulling away. I don't think that they're going to be a team that looks at you and says, okay, like, uh, we're going to play all of our guys. I think that's going to be a lot of bench players playing against bench players. Um, but it's still, like, it could have implications on not only the Kings, but the teams around them and who you could play in the first round. Like, if I want to play Team X and I know that a win against the Nuggets on the last game of the season, I'm going to run my guys out there. I'm going to go I'm gonna go for the win. So, I don't know. It's, it's kind of intriguing how this thing is going to play out. It uh, is, and, and I just want to add one thing, too. Like, um, fast forward a week from now, I mean, we got the Kings and the Warriors. I... I I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a game out there that I'm just not thinking of that might have been more meaningful. But this is going to be in the conversation for most meaningful Kings and Warriors game ever played, right? Or it could just be nothing. It could be a yeah. It could be a if they've already order, but if I, they've already clinched all all of where they're going to be and. But potentially, potentially, it yeah. could be a really. I mean. And and here's the thing. Like obviously, it's going to mean more for the Warriors than it is for the Kings. But if you're but. I mean, in a weird way, too, like, I think you want the head-to-head matchup. I think also uh, you want that to be kind of a, a – if, if if you are slated or trending that you're going to be playing them in the playoffs, I think you you kind of want your first shot at it. This is like a exhibition game, so to speak, and you can go out and try different things, and, and I think it's going to – I think it will be a good kind of table setter for what's to come, if, if, you, if you will. Yeah. No, I get you. I think it would be an intriguing battle. Like, how do you go into it? How do you, and are you still pushing for 50? Like, again, I, the Kings will get their 47th win tonight. Like, uh, if they don't, I would be absolutely stunned. 
Um, I fully expect the same thing on Sunday when they play San Antonio. Uh, that would put them at 48. 48 wins with four games remaining. The Kings haven't lost four games in a row all season outside of the first week of the season. Um, and I don't think that they'll lose. Again, I, I think they still have a goal of 50. I think yeah. Harrison Barnes told us they have a goal of 50. Um, and that's kind of the mark of a really good team in the NBA. And I think that they've got that circled and said, okay, we're going to go for it. So whether that win comes, you know, those other wins come against what Dallas or the Pelicans uh, or the the Warriors or or Denver on the last game of the season, I still think that they're going to try to get those last two wins, um, even if it's splitting the last two. And, you know, I don't expect them to push for 51 or 52. I don't think that they are saying, hey, let's win out and, like, prove everybody that we're ready. Uh, although they already have the the best – they're tied for the Bucks with the best record after the All-Star break. Um, so, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe they do want to walk in and show that they belong. Uh, Sean, let's get to uh, the business of basketball. <laughs> cool. Um, this has been, like, a horrible stretch. Like, 16 years is – is brutal and you've been around for almost all of that um i've covered the all last of it. 12 coming in yeah all yeah. Of it. yeah so what is it what's, what's maybe your your least favorite moment through this whole stretch maybe and we'll do a uh, your best moment your worst moment the worst moments easily just uh and and maybe this shouldn't count because maybe you meant it in a different way but the, the is almost losing your team uh Having uh, yeah. having really two funerals on Arco at Arco Arena where people are crying because they don't know what the future holds for their basketball team. Uh, one felt a little bit better than the other, but one certainly felt like a funeral. And uh, even if you had optimism, it there was no overlooking the fact that that was a dreary day, and you could have felt confident that your team was still going to stay and something was going to magically pop through and 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 you know people were going to hear uh, you know kevin johnson out and 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 the city and being able to get everything together but there was just no guarantee so uh yeah man i i think that sticks out first and foremost because you know without the team you don't have any of this you, you know the good the bad the ugly uh the fun um my first year and look i i i'm like a lot of uh people who tend to cover this team where maybe more so like I grew up in Sacramento, you know, I grew up a Kings fan. I know what it, I know what it's like to root for your team, but you know, putting on the media hat, so to speak, and coming over it, things become a lot different um, when you're around it. So, so long, my first year as a credentialed media member was 2001. My first full season was the 0203 season. And I got a taste of the 0102 second half of that season. I was credentialed all the time. So um, covering it for, what was then sports 1140 KHDK, which has become Sacktown sports. Now um, you see still a lot of people who are around the team that, that even like, you know, you think of Gary Gerald, who's been here since the very, very beginning. He, he doesn't cover the team. He's employed by the team. He is the, the radio voice. He goes everywhere. He's been here since the team moved to the Sacramento. So I think of people like him because the, 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 the highest mountain that this team has been to has been the Western Conference Finals, and we all know how that turned out. And that is still a scab that won't heal that people pick at all the time. Um, people like Jason Ross, who has been here for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah, like 26 um, years? something. Like even, I think, even longer. Because so he, 
before KHDK, there was KSAC, and he, you know, he went to UC Davis, and uh, him, Scott Marsh, um, you know, guys that came from that that um, that little student radio station at UC Davis. And then I, I joined force. I was in high school, man. Like people don't realize I was like an illegal intern coming in. They opened the door for me so I can come in and like learn, uh, working with a golf radio show. So, um, I think of moments like that because you, you, you see a lot of familiar faces that work with the organization, but then you see a lot of people who, you know, they're, they're concession stand workers, they're, they're ushers, they're security members. And the cool thing, I mean, you saw it in the six man celebration the other night, James, and they do it every season. But if fans haven't had the moment, they like to recognize people who've been with the organization for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Uh, and there's always, you know, about 10 of them that they, that they'll honor for these different milestones. These people who work within the organization, the arena workers, things like that, you don't see it. There's turnover, sure, just like any business, but there's a lot of faces that you see who've been there for such a long, 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 long time. So it is a community. It is a family in that regard. You're seeing the same people uh, day in, day out. Those are those are the type of people you, you really kind of feel for. And it's so rare to see a, a person who stays within the organization that long regardless. But it's even more rare to do it on the basketball ops side. And I sent out a tweet uh, the other day when after they clinched, I was like the, the first two people I think of, and I know Mike Brown, I was able to, you know, should get that video out there showing that video of him talking about Miguel Lopez, the, the equipment manager who, you know, basically was in the, in the hall, you know, sobbing because of the success of the team, because it had been that long. And he's seen countless players come and go, countless coaches come and go, countless front office people come and go, media relations people come and go, security people come and go. There, there's just, a, it can be a, a revolving door. He's stayed there. Him and Melanie Stocking, who works with the like the logistical side of the of the basketball ops department, the travel, you know, always booking travel, always making sure tickets are good, always making sure, you know, players' families are good, all that stuff. Um, there's not that many people in the the ops department that have been there that long, and those are two of the faces of the people that have. I mean, this is going back to the Chris Weber days, you know. And yeah. that's it's fun for me because I can say that. Like James, I know you've covered the team a long time. <laughs> you know, I don't want to date either one of us, but me showing that I've been here since like doing this since two thousand one, when I was right. I mean, I'm right out of high school basically doing this. And and the fact that KHDK even had a credential, and I was like, no, I I have aspirations of being a sports reporter, and I want to do this. So like, oh, we got a credential available. Are you kidding? And then it becomes a job. And, you know, Chris Weber may have played a little small role in that, but <laughs> getting in, in, in doing that. And it's like, I've been around, I've seen these people, I've seen them come and go. And it's like the ones that still kind of remain and you get to see them. It's great. Now you look at the fans, those fans, they don't change. You know, you might see a few all of a sudden donning warrior gear. I've, I've actually, I've actually witnessed it myself where you see some of the bandwagon fans who will tend to go off and it's like, wait, I remember this guy, you know, um, I have seen that. But all the only thing that changes primarily with Kings fans is they just get older and then they get younger because they end up having new Kings fans. You, you yourself as a father, you've got two Kings fans that live with you. So that is fun. Uh, and I try not to make it, you know, be self-indulgent and make it about us because it's not about us. It's about them. It's about this community. It's about the city. It's about this organization and what it means to the city is a one horse town. I know with respect to the Sacramento River Cats and the Sacramento Republic, this, this is your professional sports team. And 
It's the biggest beacon of civic pride that you have. And it's fun to see them kind of relevant again. So yeah, it took far too long. Um, it, 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 I, I think brighter days are ahead, but it, it is, it's just fun to see things, whether the good, the bad, some of the cringy, the good, the bad, and the cringy. That should be the, that should be the title of the book, uh, for this season because you're getting rid of the bad. You're going back to the good, but there's a lot of cringe along the way. So, uh, I just celebrate it all, uh, let people have their fun and, uh, it's going to be a fun ride. I, I don't care if this team gets swept in the first round. Guess what, guys? This is still a fabulous season of Kings basketball. It really is. I agree with everything you said there uh, completely. And, and I'll tell you, like the darkest day, I, I wouldn't have put it. I didn't think about that as as the relocations being the the darkest day was the Dana Falk tweet. That was the darkest mm. day because you had gone through the first one and you thought that they were on the right path. And then the Maloofs just hamstrung you. And when it was like that much money and going back to Seattle and all that stuff, I think that that was probably the dark, the darkest day. Cause that one hit the first one. If you followed the money, the NBA was never going to let Henry Samueli in the league. And like, there was, there was no way for the Maloofs to retain ownership of the team. And the league wasn't going to like bring him into an old building in in LA and, and try to figure something out. Now, could it have happened? Sure, but it wasn't going to happen. And so I was like, even even the last night, I was still pretty confident that it wasn't going to go that way. And I'm one of the few people who felt that way, but I was like, eh, you follow the money, it's going to be really tough to do. That second one, and then when, you know, Chris Hansen's kept, it kept bumping up the price valuation and they you know they were feeding stuff to seattle the whole time like that was brutal and bitter bitter to watch and people kept saying like well what are you going to do when they if they leave and it was like uh not cover basketball like you got and you got to play it out until the end you got to sit there and like be part of the whole entire situation until it's over and then once it's over we'll figure out what what happens later but we don't have time for that now I mean, we were working so hard trying to cover city council meetings and trips all over the place. And like, it was just crazy. So you're right. That's probably the darkest, uh, like during this time that I've covered. I don't know what the, the, the best moment is, um, outside of some game winners and some stuff like that. It's, but it's probably going to be this year. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, I'm laughing because like, if, if we didn't take it the dramatic role, right. The, put the relocation saga yeah. aside the darkest day might have been that dude puking on the court in front of a Vecron Adive just right across like yeah. seriously and it happened just last year I mean think of where the fan base is at think of what that <laughs> represents and I, I'm, I'm not trying to be juvenile about it 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 meant a lot more than just a drunk dude on the court puking his guts out uh, like it was just it was bad it was so bad and Luke got fired and got fired that night yeah, they blamed yeah. Luke. No, I'm kidding. No, it's, uh, it, no, someone had to go. Yeah. I mean, you can't just you can't just have that happen. Someone has to go. Um, no, man, and it's and it's it's like I say, things can change very quickly in the NBA. Kings fans wouldn't know that because again, you're talking 17 years, 16 seasons of bad basketball. But things can and do happen very very quickly in the NBA. Usually, and it just happens for quicker team for better teams. Sean, I'm going to say this too, uh, but like I'll, I'll kind of end my thoughts on this. Um, I kind of hope, like this 17, it's 16 seasons, 17 years, whatever, uh, 16 years. I kind of hope that the Kings hold this record forever. 
and people could <laughs> yeah. look at me like, what do you mean? No fan base should ever have to go through this. They shouldn't. They shouldn't have to go through 16 years of ineptitude, 16 years of failure, 16 years of botched first round picks and fired coaches and fired general managers and changing of front offices. No fan base should have to go through this because if it were a lesser franchise, it probably would have broke them. If it were a lesser fan base, that's what I mean. If it were a lesser fan base, it probably would have broke the fan base and you would have never been able to recover that fan base. But the fact that this fan base has not only survived this crap 16-year stretch, but two full relocations, ownership changes, all of the stuff that you've you've endured, and somehow you're making it out the other side, it's stunning, and I'm really excited to see how the fans react to the playoffs and and how they like they captured this moment themselves. Like each fan is going to be different, you know. Like yeah, uh, my son wants to go to the playoffs so bad. You know, again, we've talked about this. He was born. I was in the hospital with my wife uh, with the baby um, the day Chris Weber blew out his knee, May eighth, two thousand three. That's the day my son was born. He's never got to see a true playoff game. Uh, if he did, it was as a baby, like a really, really small baby. Um, he got to see playoffs, uh, but he's been part of my journey this whole time. And like, he's my, my sidekick along the way, never got to see any of it. And so I'm excited for that. My youngest, he's, he'll be 15, he'll be 16 in August. The Kings have never made the playoffs during his life. He was born in 2007. So it's really crazy. So I'm excited to see how people react, how fans react, how, you know, this becomes like something that, that they can kind of figure out and, uh, and enjoy and, and, you know, embrace. So, uh, anyway. Yeah. All right. You have any final, you have any final thoughts? Uh, nah, nah. It's just the only final thought again, I've, 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 I hope Brendan gets better. <laughs> I hope my allergies uh, wait. I think by next one, I'll be strong like bull. And uh, yeah, I don't like the fact that the Stockton Kings uh, went out like that. But um, yeah, hey, G League, maybe maybe make the... I know no one really cares about the G League, but your playoffs can't come down to a one and a one and done. A best, one, a yeah, one game best and of done. three That's series. Silly. Come on now. Even if you don't yeah. have them travel like that, that to me, that, that was weird. So it's just yeah. weird. But yeah, because you see, there's a lot of games during the season where, and again, that's not sour grapes. I mean, that could have been, um, that could have been Sioux Falls losing, uh, that, you know, even if they were the number one seed and Stockton came in and won in advanced, I mean, certainly they would have taken it, but you, you would have felt like, man, that just, it's unfulfilled, you know, it just doesn't, you put all this effort into what a season looks like for the G League and you've got, got you've got teams that are oftentimes what we started to see in the NBA where you have these two game series. So, you know, if they come in and they spend a couple of days, let's say the, the home team gets the, the home court, then yeah, play both those games, whatever, best of three series. I think hmm. that's uh, as opposed to like the play in the first round, whatever, because those are. But if you're in the first seat, if you're the number one seed and you've advanced, you get that first round by that probably shouldn't come down to a one and done. Yeah, I hate it in baseball, too. The The fact that you play 162 games and then you can get bounced on the last game of the, the last day of the season. Um, I, I hate the play in the play in baseball, too. I just hate it. So. Um, all right. Final thoughts for me. Uh, I don't really have any final thoughts. It's bright and sunny outside. It's not snowing like it was on uh, Tuesday when we had the pod. Sorry we're doing this on Friday. 
Um, it's one of those things we had scheduling issues yesterday and, and weren't able to get a pod done on, you know, sort of celebration day. Uh, but we'll keep I make no apology. <laughs> yeah. And I make Brendan, no apology. Brendan is is out of commission. So uh, so we'll uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, so if you're still watching here on YouTube, give us a thumbs up if you don't mind. If you're listening somewhere else, give us a rating and review. All of those things help us. Uh, also, uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Um, I'll be putting new shirts up. Uh, oh, yeah? Uh, I oh. made l- just long sleeve of the white uh, sweatshirt, which are cool, and they're Russell, and they're nice, and I dig them. So uh, I'll put those up on the website uh, probably tomorrow, and you can purchase long sleeve, but they're nice, uh, you know, nice shirts uh, for for your collection out there of King's Beat merch. Um, cool. All right. So for Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham, I am James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat podcast. We will see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.